Hey, welcome. It's 1106. Jennifer Bukowski is with us. Uh, we're just uh, kind of kicking into the, uh, the story about uh, the, speaker's, uh, um, the speaker's husband and uh, the attack at his house. Now, the first thought that came to my first thought, I th first thing I saw, by the way, Jennifer, which has nothing else to do with the crime, was when they were flying that drone over that mansion, I didn't see one solar panel. Not one. <laughs> Uh, and you that can, is interesting. I have uh, solar panels, and yeah. Nancy Pelosi does not in right. San Francisco. Interesting. Right. Isn't it? Uh, but uh, right away, we heard that uh, her husband was having an affair with a guy, or he was going to gay bars, and that uh, that's why the guy was in his underwear, uh, all kinds of things that appear to be nonsensical. Um the left, of course, jumped on it with both feet and said it's because of Fox News and talk radio uh, that this guy went to the extreme that he did. Uh, I think your your position is uh, dead nuts on. The guy is just wacky. He's just a nutcase. Right. Uh, and if you'll recall, like with the Kavanaugh, uh, a would-be assassin who went across the country to take out three Supreme Court justices, starting with Kavanaugh, he was written off immediately by the folks in the mainstream media as being just a crazy guy and nothing to see here. But now with this incident, which with this terrible thing that happened to Paul Pelosi, they're trying to tie it into January 6th and make it part of the upcoming election that they're going to lose. And it's leading the news for multiple days on like the New York Times and everything else that, oh, look, someone tried to assassinate Nancy Pelosi. When, you know, they buried on page like A20 in the New York Times, the Kavanaugh would be assassinated and other networks and uh, publications didn't even cover that. Yeah. Uh, you think there's some bias in the media? A little bit. Are you suggesting that? This is that? a crazy okay. story. This guy breaks in. Uh, he has his own hammer. That was a big question. Like, was this Paul's hammer? But then they're going up and down. He's in the elevator at one point trying to use the phone there. The guy stops him, but then he gets to go to the bathroom, and that's when he calls 911. And the guy says he, at that point, didn't leave because he felt like he was the founding, one of the founding fathers and that he had no choice but to stay and fight. But at the time that Paul like got to go to the bathroom and make, where his cell phone was that he could call the cops, uh, at that time, uh, this perpetrator was wanting to tie Paul up so he could get some sleep because he was tired from lugging his backpack across town that had a sword in it, another hammer, as zip ties and a bunch of his IDs and a bunch of other stuff in his bag. I guess he was a little worn out from carrying that across town in the middle of the night. And so he wanted, his big plan was to tie up Paul. So he could sleep, and then when Nancy got there, he was going to tie her up and make her answer questions. And if she didn't say the right answer, he was going to bust her kneecap. So this guy is uh, quite something. But then the two men end up down by the front door when the police arrive, and Paul Pelosi opens the door, according to the L.A. Times. At that time, both men were holding the hammer, and the suspect was also holding Paul's forearm, and they're told, drop the hammer and that's when the suspect hits Paul on the head with the hammer right in front of the cops <laughs> it's like you can't make something like this up it's just bizarre but I will say if I, I'd like to point this out too 
I'm seeing a pattern of this happening around the country in these high-profile cases. They launched both state and federal charges at this suspect. Now, there's only one person to put in prison. Even though we are in a system of dual sovereignty where often both the feds and the state charge you, that's not what's usually done. I mean, almost never is that done. But lately, it seems like these prosecutors want to spend tax dollars to be, you know, helping their own careers. And they're one in high profile cases, they're charging them in both state court and federal court, even though federal court has this petite policy, which says that there's a strong presumption that the state is charging someone for the same conduct against the federal government bringing charges. And I have seen in practice the opposite being true as well. So when there is the feds are already charging someone, there's no need for the state to also prosecute for the prosecute for the same thing. Unless you think that the charges are so different or they're not going to be punished, there's no need to bring charges at both levels. But I'm seeing this more and more, and it's just a personal annoyance where for their own you know, glory and careers, both sets of prosecutors are bringing cases, even though that's not the norm, if it's a high-profile thing. Yeah. And this um, Kavanaugh would be attacker. He is only charged in federal court, which makes sense because he was like he traveled interstate when he was making these plans and the posts on the social media, and it's against a federal figure. So that one makes sense. And then Virginia didn't charge him too, which would be the normal behavior. But here, both the San Francisco prosecutor launched a whole bunch of charges, and the federal government has as well against this attacker. And it's just to further their political careers that they were yeah because out there normally fighting. yeah one set of prosecutors takes it and that's one less case on the other person's caseload there's no sense spending all kinds of taxpayer time and money to prosecute someone who's already going to prison because the feds or the state is already prosecuting them for that same conduct but you've seen this with you know the Derek Chauvin situation they prosecuted all those guys in both state and federal court the Ahmad Arbery that was just out of outside of the norm of how criminal justice works in America and I it's a troubling trend that I'm annoyed by because you know there's only one person to put in prison it doesn't make any sense to prosecute them twice expend the taxpayer dollars and make them expend all their resources on attorneys to defend them in two different courts for the same conduct uh, with that in mind, let me go uh, grab some phone calls here because uh, people are online. In fact, uh, let's go to Al. Al, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Hey, thanks, Gary. Um, I disagree with Jennifer's comment that you can't make this stuff up because the Democrats are experts at making this stuff up. <laughs> talk about talk about Russia. But, uh, oh, yeah, this Teal dossier. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. And, and explain to me why the Pelosi family will not release the home surveillance video, why the security system was not on, and why the perps, uh, the perpetrator was in his underwear. Explain all of that stuff. Uh, the that- perpetrator was not in his underwear. Only Paul Pelosi was in his underwear. And yeah, if there Paul was Pelosi a video... Night shirt and underwear, yeah. Uh, and if and if there was a video of my father in his underwear being attacked by a guy with a hammer, I probably wouldn't want to release that either. Well, I'm yeah, I'm, same. And I wouldn't want to show the layout of my house to God knows how many other crazy people are out there. So I'm I can understand about, why. I'm talking about the surveillance on the outside. How did the guy get in? 
Uh, he used a hammer to break the window on a door, a glass door in the back of the house. Yeah, but that's very suspicious when you look at the glass on the outside. It looks like it was busted from the inside. Yeah, Just the I, whole, thing's, whole thing's very suspicious, and I do not believe what's being reported because their stories change so many times. Oh, here we go. Uh, conspiracy theories are on the rise. All right, Al, thank you very much. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, I didn't see a, a close enough picture of the back door to know where I the glass was. I didn't see a picture of that, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, I think it probably happened the way it was described. Call me naive, but... Uh, yeah, uh, that's a, I mean, you can't really blame Al for wondering because they have been lying to us about so many other things. There have been other hoaxes that have been taken seriously that shouldn't have been. That This is not a hoax, but there have been hoaxes reported and everything else. So it's good to be critical and suspicious. But I think that this, like the Kavanaugh thing, like the Lee Zeldin thing, it is an example of people that are so just off their rockers that they decide to use violence in politics and it we should condemn it from all sides and i did immediately as soon as i saw this and i'm like i condemn this and i hope the people on the right don't make fun of this like they did with Brian paul that was my immediate reaction within minutes of the news breaking because remember right. that they're still ridiculing Rand paul about the neighbor attacking him and it's just totally inappropriate yeah. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's see. We got a, a whole bunch of other stuff and not a whole lot of time, uh, including uh, Elon Musk uh, running four other companies. Uh, just how pressed for time will this guy be? We'll kick that around with Jennifer Bukowski next on the Gary Nolan Show. It is uh, twenty minutes after eleven. Jennifer Bukowski joins me on the Gary Nolan Show. We're talking about uh, the Pelosi case. And uh, we talked about uh, the state and the federal government uh, both uh, charging uh, somebody for committing a crime. Jennifer says, why? Uh, it just doubles up on the same crime. One or the other should do it. That makes sense. Now we're moving on to Elon Musk, who is already running four companies. And now he's the uh, CEO of Twitter. And uh, people are wondering if he's being stretched too thin, like the folks over at Reuters. Yeah, that's the worry that maybe he might be stretched too thin. It made me like just decide to look up out of curiosity. Joe Biden has quite a few employees, actually, Carrie. And do they ever wonder about him being stretched too thin? He has 8.7 million employees under his command at a million different departments. Not literally a million, but all kinds of like the equivalent of companies if they were, you know, private instead of public. Uh, by way of comparison, Elon Musk will have 130,000 total employees. 110 of those are at Tesla now uh, on the, in the various companies that he's managing. It's called delegation. This guy has proven himself successful at SpaceX, Tesla. Uh, you know, we'll wait and see about the boring company. But uh, he is a phenomenal individual, and I think, like, he can pick talented people to delegate things to. And uh, he is going to be trimming down Twitter by 25% of his employees. So maybe that'll help uh, people that the Reuters are quoting and saying that maybe he'll be stretched too thin. Yeah, well, you knock 25 people off and uh, it just makes it that much easier. Yeah, 25%. Are you going to pay 20 bucks a month to stay verified? 
Yeah, I have my blue check, and that was floated. They haven't, like, sent me anything to say that I need to pay for it so far, so I don't know if they're kicking around ideas or what, but a lot of reporters on there saying that, oh, you don't know what we get paid, there's no way I'm paying this, but give me a break, your, like, company will pay for it. Never say never, you know, because uh, if you are working for one of these legacy media companies, they're going to be paying for that check, I, I would think. Do you think the liberals will abandon Twitter in the numbers they say they are? In the media, too, by the way, are threatening to do this now that he's taken over? Or do you think most of them I will end up staying? Will, I think they will in the same just great numbers that we saw move to Canada after the 2016 election. Oh, <laughs> all that person. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so, they all said, I'm moving to Canada if Trump wins. And none of them did. So, that was kind of a disappointment for me. Yeah, it's cold up there, though. I can't really blame them for not following through on that, right? <laughs> well, there's always Cuba. I mean, that's uh, most leftists. That's That should be, uh, you know, close to utopia. You know, I, I know people that visit there. Reason Weekend went down there one time, and they're just not set up to have a nice time down there. It's not, no fun yet. The food is terrible. They just don't have it set up to, like, it once was 50, 60 years ago, whenever when Americans traveled there as tourists all the time. It's not luxurious at all. Let's move on because uh, we're running out of time here. And uh, we've got the local election, the midterms. Uh, anything you're going to vote yes on? You know, I am undecided on Amendment 1, which is about the treasurer things. I think everything else, I'm a no. Um, I know I wanted to say Zell Fisher, the Supreme Court judge, he's involved with Federalist Society. He's great. Make sure you vote to retain him. And uh, the one that's really going to be a squeaker that we need to pay attention to and get out the vote for is presiding commissioner Connie Leopard is the Republican candidate. And that is going to be a close, close race. So let folks know to get out the vote. It could be decided by a handful of votes. So I've like gave my husband instructions with his sample ballot. <laughs> going to remind him because you gave your husband like, no on three and make sure you vote for Connie. <laughs> and then he could do whatever else he wants. <laughs> uh, no on everything but five. Uh, all right. Uh, national, uh, nationally, predicting Republicans take the Senate, but by how many will depend on the Georgia runoff, probably. I, um, I'm i not convinced yeah, that Georgia like is as close as they, as they want you to believe. Uh, and I think that uh, the Republicans are going to take the Senate by at least one, if not three seats. Right. I do, too. But I worry that Georgia will go to a runoff again because there is a libertarian candidate on the ballot. And if they don't get if he doesn't win by over 50 percent, then they have a runoff election. Well, you know, the interesting thing is that in Arizona, the libertarian sat down with the, the Republican uh, candidate and recorded the conversation and said here under these circumstances, I will back out of the race. Uh, and and that is that uh, this uh, uh, was Masters, it Masters uh, yeah. that he doesn't uh, you know get us involved in foreign wars, votes against it. He literally said, "You want to act like a libertarian? I'll support you." And I got it on tape. And under those circumstances, he he did. Um, and that's what I think a lot of libertarians need to do. They need to be the dis the kingmakers. They need to take these uh, candidates, Democrats and Republicans, and say, if you want my people, if you want my vote, you better start acting like a constitutionalist, whether you like it or not. got out of the race because Blake Masters agreed. No more wars. He agreed. That's uh, fantastic. 
Well, <laughs> that's that's what we should do. If we can't win the race, we ought to force. Yeah, king make. Yep. Queen make. Yep. I love it. That's a great idea. I thought so. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, let's see here. Where, where was I going here? Because I had another. Um, all right. Let, let me do this quickly. Uh, prominent women in the West are seek, uh, are speaking up for the brave women in Iran. Uh, yet the Iranian government has uh, scooped up like a thousand uh, people over unrest. Uh, do you think they're going to over- killed hundreds and hundreds more? They're killing teenagers. Meanwhile, like you know, their head National Guard guys off in Indonesia with his woman not wearing Western clothing and no hijab while they're shooting teenagers in the streets for not wearing hijab. It's ridiculous, but it's a woman-led revolution. They're wanting their freedom. And finally, we have some prominent people, including three former first ladies, Clinton, Obama, and Bush, signing a letter in support of them uh, to speak up for them. And Oprah signed this thing, too. But we need to use our freedom to speak up for these people because it's the right thing to do. And also, it's in America's interest to have another non-enemy on the board. This this Iranian regime, this mullah, Khomeini, he's an evil guy that's assisting with drone strikes in Ukraine. He's buddies with Putin. I mean, take taking this guy out would make uh, our world safer for us, that's well, for sure. I don't... If Shannon gets America like Khomeini has made them do for the last 40 years, the last... Four or six weeks they've been chanting in the streets, Jatta Khomeini. I prefer that. Well, uh, do you actually think that uh, three former first ladies will influence Khomeini's decision to crack down on these protesters? No, I don't think that that's necessarily the case, but I think it could lead to more international pressure by speaking up on behalf of uh, these women and leadership and saying, look, we are paying attention to the oppression of women, the subjugation of women women in other countries. And when they are rising up against it, we'll, we will speak out on their behalf. It may embolden women in these other theocracies. There's like a billion people living under these theocracies that completely subjugate women around the world. And, you know, I think we need to show leadership while we have the freedom to do so to say this is not right. Culture and religion are not excuses for the subjugation and second-class citizenship of women. They just aren't excuses for violating their basic human rights and depriving them of their fundamental rights of movement and everything else. Well, uh, I'm not sure that these uh, uh, radical Islamists really give a rodent's rectum what anybody else thinks. But on the other hand, it wasn't the six-gun that tamed the West. It was women. So, um, you know, who who knows uh, how that'll turn out. Jennifer Bukowski, thank you for being with us. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Gary. Unfortunately, we ran out of time. We didn't get to all your topics, but we'll we'll revisit next week. Uh, all right, Jennifer Bukowski. Uh, by the way, a, a sometime part uh, sometime part time uh, talk show host as well. We were talking about rights and uh, the Constitution and taxes, and I think we've gotten into a philosophical argument that. Um, is really a matter of semantics here. But we'll kick it around in the next segment of the program. You're listening to The Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show 
It is uh, 1135. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Uh, so I was uh, talking about it. Roy brought up that uh, government doesn't have rights. And I said, well, I'm not entirely sure that that's exactly correct. Um, uh, theoretically, he, he is correct. But, uh, for instance, the government has the power to lay and collect taxes. Uh, and the government will do that. And uh, nobody would argue that they can't or shouldn't. Maybe we, we argue about the degree or the methodology, but uh, they do have that, that right. Uh, and then it's really semantics. Uh, technically, yeah, rights are different. Uh, but I get messages like, William, okay, so you don't understand natural rights. Try reading the Federalist. Uh, yeah, I do understand natural rights. And I do understand the distinction. But it's really a matter of semantics. The government has a, you know, a, it, they have an obligation to collect taxes. Otherwise, they don't exist at all. And we have to have some form of government. We have to have some form of taxation. So we give them that, that right. That, and you could argue it's really we're giving them permission. But no matter what, they're going to collect taxes. So it's, it's really, it's just semantics. Yeah, on a technical level, yeah, you're right. But it, what are we arguing over? It's it's silly. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Bob sent me a message from an email I sent some coworkers, April 2020. Ancestry.com must not have been collecting DNA fast enough for Big Brother. COVID-19 release has only resulted in 1.57% of the U.S. population being tested. Read DNA collection excuse. Uh, via person-to-person -person swab encounters. Eh, okay. Uh, 874-9390, toll-free 800-529-5572. Uh, we got a lot of other ground to cover here, and uh, we will uh, kick this around with you. Uh, we were talking earlier in the program about uh, gasoline. The average national pump price has inched up to $3.76 a gallon. Uh, that's as of Friday. Uh, that snapped a streak of declines that uh, Democrats were hoping would continue uh, as they try to keep control of Congress. The reversal being driven by rising prices on the East Coast where gasoline supplies are tight. Uh, that some terminals have reported running out of fuel. There's not enough diesel fuel, home heating oil, uh, to keep people uh, warm this winter. They're looking at rationing it in the United States. They're looking at rationing fuel. Are you kidding me? And Biden's, you know, here's a guy that has been fighting against carbon fuel investment. He, this is a guy who's been trying to shut down carbon fuel. No oil, no gas. He wants it restricted. He wants it stopped. He wants to get rid of it. And while he's on the way to accomplishing that, he's complaining that the prices are going up. Well, this is what you wanted, you idiot. This is what you worked for. This was your goal, was to drive up prices, by, and, and you do that by restricting production. It's the, the immutable law of supply and demand. You reduce the supply, you keep it from, uh, from meeting demand, 
prices go up. You can blame the oil companies and greedy gas stations and uh, everybody's mother for it, but the, the truth is you're responsible for it, Mr. President. You did this. Quit complaining. You caused it. You can uncause it, too. You can turn it around. Start encouraging uh, financially uh, quit uh, uh, punishing companies that invest in, in uh, you know, finding new oil. Quit punishing companies that invest in refineries. You started it. You can end it. Instead, you blame everybody else and, oh, woe is me. They're giving money out to their shareholders. Well, their shareholders are in probably most cases people who are on retirement and who have invested in the oil companies. It's your grandmother and your, your parents. So, you know, the, the fact that, uh, that a shareholder is, is getting some of the profit, that's not a big deal. And as a caller pointed out earlier in the program, the, the profit margin for the oil companies and the amount of money they're bringing in, and, that, and they're two different things, the profit margin and the profit, uh, the total corporate profit, are minuscule compared to a lot of other corporations. So, you know, if, if you uh, are looking for the enemy, Mr. President, uh, go find a mirror and gaze into it. You'll see who's responsible for driving up fuel prices in this country. John is on the line. Welcome, John. How are you? I'm good, Gary. So I've heard recently within the last week that trucking companies that are delivering in the east are calling to make sure that once the deliveries are made that they can get fuel to get out of there and that there's they're calling for rationing of diesel fuel in the east. Have you heard that? Yeah, I did hear that. In fact, I just talked about how they're rationing it. They're, they're, they, and, and I'm stunned. I mean, this is the United States. This is the land of plenty. But and, how are they rationing it? I mean, are they just talking about it or are they actually doing it? Well, I, I think they're making plans to in the event there is a shortage. Okay. So, anyway, I, 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 I was, I've heard of it. I hadn't heard that much about gas yet. But I definitely heard about diesel fuel, so I was just curious. And I heard, like I said, that that uh, companies were calling where they're taking their deliveries to and asking if there's fuel in the area and checking. And if there's not, they're not making the deliveries because they can't get the trucks out once they get them in. So if anybody's out there who's a driver who knows this, it'd be cool to if they could call in and let us know exactly what's going on. Uh, we got a story from CNBC. I'll bring that up here in just a second. John, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Diesel prices have increased 33% for November deliveries uh, and are expected to go higher. Diesel supply in the Northeast uh, uh, with a, a potential rail strike, uh, they're having a real problem getting it there, the diesel fuel. Diesel reserves have not been this low since 1951, and a ban on Russian products set for next year is going to intensify competition for fuel. Homeland Security told CNBC that the Jones Act's waivers required for foreign tankers are reviewed on a case-by-case -case basis. The Jones Act says if you want to deliver oil 
uh, to the United States, you, you've got to have an American ship and American built and all this nonsense and American workers. No, just give me the best price from, for the delivery. But government regulations, and this thing goes, this, this Jones Act has been around for decades. It needs to go away. It's protectionism. A perfect storm is taking place in the diesel market with dwindling diesel reserves, a drought on the Mississippi River pushing more product to rail and truck, and possible rail strike leading to a surge in prices that's expected to continue. That would be, Mr. President, the union, the rail union, you know you're a union guy, that is getting in the way of you uh, having control or your party having control of Congress. They went out on strike. They expect you to capitulate. You're a union guy. But if you, you know, if they don't have come up with a deal, then the price of diesel fuel and its availability are going to go through the roof. The national average for diesel is $5.30 a gallon, expected to go up 15 to 20 cents in the next few weeks. Um... Reserve for diesel this time of year haven't been this low since 1951. The greatest shortfall uh, is in the Northeast region, including New York and New England. We know who's doing it. Let me go to the phones. Evelyn is on the line. Evelyn, welcome. How are you? Great, Carrie. Thank you. Um, the rep- the replay of your discussion with Jennifer Prokowski. I was coming out of a meeting and I missed it. Um, the first part of it, and I definitely want to get that information, and I think it'd be great to let other people know how to find that for the next week so they can listen at 2 a.m. or whenever they're able to, you know, just listen to it full. And Which part of the conversation, what were we talking about? The voting. Oh, um, you can go to uh, 939theeagle.com, uh, and all of our stuff is archived there. Okay. And so we just go by the date? Yeah, it'll tell you the date, it'll tell you the hour. Um, Excellent. Br- Brian uh, does think- this every day. Puts and we do have yeah, a fine, we do have a fine, have Evelyn, too, for not listening to the station. I know you said you had a meeting, but the meeting yeah. has to come second, and the show comes first. I understand, first. and that's why I am desperate to find this information, because I value, I listen to the whole show every day, all the time. Yes, I do. Yes. Well, can you at least reduce her fine, Brian, if she <laughs> listens online? Oh, I suppose. My friendship payment is in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Evelyn, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. John, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. How are you? I guess I'm doing okay. You know, you piqued my interest because you're talking about, I mean, trucking and fuel and movement of products should be an issue for everyone. But when you talked about the Mississippi River, Years ago, I spent three years on the Mississippi River. People don't realize that they see a barge going down. They don't see them on the Missouri River, but you see them a lot on the Mississippi River and the Illinois and Ohio and that. Those barges equate to something like between 50 and 60 semi-loads of grain. Yeah. Now, you multiply that by 15 barges on an upper. That is a lot of grain moved by two diesel engines, and the diesel engines are big, and they do consume a lot of fuel, but they move it very efficiently, by far better than semis. So this diesel cost and availability, I don't think the people realize how effective 
or detrimental this is going to be to our country. For the farmers in the north to get their grain moved out, yes. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. And they have yet to come up with a decent solar-powered barge. <laughs> yeah. All right. Tell you what, the, those engines, they have two of those engines. They had those on the boats that I was on. And they're the same equivalent of a uh, oh, diesel engine on a train, on a locomotive. Yeah. But they move so much more, so much more efficiently. All right. John, good point made. Thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Up against the clock, but we're going to come back and wrap it up. It is the Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. It is 11.52. Glenn Beck is coming up. Sean Hannity is going to be with us. Uh, and then uh, Randy Tobler is going to be on board. Tomorrow morning, it's going to be Brandon uh, Rathard and uh, the, the Wake Up Mid-Missouri team. Uh, and uh, all of that right here. <clears throat> that doesn't even include the overnight stuff because it's just the, the station to listen to. Uh, in the meantime, uh, let's see here. Uh, we, we've got a story out of Missouri that is really bizarre. Um, I guess you can plant too many flowers in your yard and uh, the, the city can come after you for it. It's rather bizarre. It sounds like a Dave Rowland sort of uh, story. It wasn't St. Peter's where they went after that couple with the artificial turf? I don't I know. think it was. Is it? Wow. Boy, this For those of you who don't town know, is out of control. <laughs> yeah. This woman was allergic to grass. So they put turf in the front yard, artificial turf, and some flowers. And I saw pictures of the yard. It was beautiful. It was well manicured. It was just beautiful. But the city said, no, no, you have to have X number of uh, so much grass in the yard, and you don't have any, and it's artificial turf. And they, they took her to court, and they eventually won. Uh, they just told her what her yard should look like. Uh, she couldn't even go out in her front yard with the grass because it would make her sick. Well, now apparently they're going after a guy uh, who has too many sunflowers in his front yard. Uh, from St. Peter's, uh, Missouri. He's been forced to pay a $400 fine because of this. He appeared in court uh, on October 11th after he refused to cut down his plants when he uh, violated a city ordinance of turf to flower ratio in August. I'm sure it's the same city. He also violated, uh, violated another St. Peter's law by having a fence in his front yard. $400 for that. Wow. Uh, to the phones we go. Harrisburg, Ken is on the line. Welcome, Ken. How are you? I'm pretty good. Hey, Gary. Uh, I just got a call a while ago from uh, uh, my representative, Chuck Basie, and I, I posed a question to him about this Amendment 3, because uh, I've been hearing this advertisement about how it's going to put money in the you know, veterans' uh, benefits and, and things like that. It's, uh, and it's not listed on your uh, sample ballot that is mailed out. There's a lot of false stuff in that, in that amendment. Uh, promoting CRT and, and all this kind of stuff from this tax money from the sale of marijuana. Yeah, Ken, said, Ken you know I'm a libertarian. And you know that I believe that we should not have a law against people smoking marijuana, uh, that it's all silly. This is a lousy deal. Vote no. Exactly. Yeah, I appreciate it, Gary. Thank you. All right, thanks, Ken. Uh, as much as I want to see marijuana legalized... And it's not because I use it. I don't. I've never used marijuana. 
Uh, I, I don't even drink. I, I, I try never to take uh, any medication unless it's absolutely necessary. And, and as much as I want to see all that happen, as, as much as I want to see the government out of this, this Amendment 3 is just, it's just, it's just wrong. Look, you could, you could very easily create uh, an amendment that is just simply going to legalize the sale and possession of marijuana. Just do that. Don't make me pay a premium if I want to buy it because you're giving me permission to do something you don't think I should do, a la a sin tax. Don't make it complex and complicated and only certain people can grow it in Bravo Sierra nonsense. Just say it's legal. Simple as that. Then I'd be in favor of it. But this thing is just a complex, complicated mess uh, and it, it makes, uh, it, it just, it, just a bad, I, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I so oppose these uh, kinds of laws, uh, that prohibit, uh, self-medication, but this is just wrong. And this will, this will, you know, institutionalize, uh, all of this with, uh, an amendment to the constitution. You, you're almost never going to get rid of it. Somebody needs to write a law that just says we are going to decriminalize possession and use of marijuana. And if you want to say for adults, I'm opposed to doing that too, but if you want to say for adults, that's fine. That, that, would, that would fit the bill. This thing is just too complicated uh, and too full of strings. I, I, can't, I can't get behind it. Um, in fact, uh, only uh, issue five, I think, is worth voting on. Anyway, that's uh, that's my take on this. Um, it, it, it's, it, it doesn't have to be that complex. It doesn't have to be that complicated. Finally, and I've only got a, a minute or two left, there's a great piece in the Wall Street Journal by John Thune. Uh, Senator Thune is saying, if you don't want the IRS knocking on your door, then you better give Republicans... Uh, the uh, the power uh, in the Senate. Well, frankly, the House could do this on its own. But it would be nice if they had more power. Get rid of this expansion of the Internal Revenue Service. They are not going after billionaires and multimillionaires. They're going after small businesses because it's easy. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. Grandbaby. Honey, I'm coming home.